The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. And you know what? I don't like it that it's been more than one time this year that I've had to start the show with extending sympathy after a tragedy. But we at Voice America, everyone, including all of the team at Bender Consulting, express our deepest, deepest sympathy, love, support for those in Oklahoma City that today have still not found so many of their loved ones, including their children, that have lost homes that they had just paid off. We are with you. We are with you. And, you know, I just want to tell everyone, if you go to your smartphone, you can text through Red Cross and donate Every, Every dollar makes a difference. So with that, I want to tell you, thank God, that we have people that never give up, that I believe is good news today for everyone listening to the show, because our guest today is truly a champion. He is a great person, and he is someone that can give hope to so many other people. He is the founder and CEO of Wheels of Progress, Turning Lives Around. Welcome to the show, George Gallego. A great intro, Joyce. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you, George. Thank you. So, George, I know many people listen to this show across the country, and later on it's replayed uh, throughout the world. But I was just wondering, for those that do not know you, how about if you begin by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and also how you came to be involved in the disability community? Sure, sure. I I always start my story with the day of my injury because it seems like my entire life turned around from that point forward. So I sustained a work-related injury on March 5th, 1992. I fell from a height equivalent to three stories. And although I was only in free fall mode for a few seconds, it felt like it took forever to reach the ground. Anyway, I landed on my back, and from the impact, I severed my spinal cord, and I haven't walked since that day. Um, To be quite honest with you, before my accident, I never thought about disability. In fact, I didn't even know anyone with with a disability. Uh, Well, uh, to be more accurate, I never recognized anyone's disability. Except for... Yeah, right. uh, it, it, interesting because the, it, was, it, wasn't, if it wasn't for this older gentleman who lived in my building before my injury. Um, he was approaching his 80s. His wife passed away. and His only desire in life was to visit his wife's gravesite every week. 
And I kind of felt obligated to make sure that he made it there weekly. So I drove him to his wife every week. Um, he had a mobility impairment. So during that lifetime, I've, I've always associated disability with being an elder. Now, wow. I, I really, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. So I really struggled with embracing my new way of life after my injury. Um, I didn't have a mentor. Uh, in fact, I didn't know anyone that used a wheelchair at the time. So I really had to figure things out on my own. Um, and sim- simple things like maneuvering my wheelchair over curbs or overcoming obstacles, driving, uh, and even more complex things like navigating the systems that a person with a disability often times become uh, totally lost uh, lost in, like Social Security, Workman's Comp, um, and even uh, the Medicaid benefits. Um, so timing was everything for me. Once I mastered my, my new way of life, uh, I was approached by a member of the New York chapter of the Spinal Cord Injury Association, uh, and they asked me to become a mentor um, at Mount Sinai, which is a hospital in New York City. So I went through their mentoring training, and eventually um, I was assigned a mentee, and that's really when my life in the world of disability began. Um, in fact, that's when I first learned that young people with disabilities who didn't live in an accessible home prior to beco- to their injury uh, were being discharged to nursing homes. Oh, is that right? Right. That, so that's the, the actual beginnings of, of Wheels of Progress. What? is that is so terrible. That is so terrible, being released to a prison. That's what I call it. Well, George, um, and by the way, first of all, I know you know Yoshiko Dart, who is like loves AAPD and is an advocate of all people with disabilities. And I just to say hello to her and Yoshiko, keep up the great work that you're doing. Um, but, George, I do have a question for you from a listener, and yes. this is from Sandy in Maine, and the question is, George, a question that I have is, did you find that people treated you differently after the accident? Absolutely. I felt, at times, I felt like I was invisible. Uh, if I was with a companion, um folks wouldn't talk to me. They would talk directly to my companion, even if they were asking questions about me. Um, I, it wasn't until until I really learned to, to embrace myself and became empowered and really started speaking up um, and advocating for myself and, and for other folks. Um, but yes, initially, people start treating you different, differently, even when you do simple things like, um, wow, like getting on a local public bus. Uh, there were times when I would board a bus and folks would get really upset because I was slowing down their progress, and not even considering the fact that, hey, it took time to uh, um, to get a passenger in a wheelchair onto a bus because you had to drop a lift, raise a lift, tie them down, uh, secure them, uh, and then move on. Um, yeah, most folks just don't have the, the patience. Yeah, it's funny how it would change if it would be someone in their family or them. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Uh, Okay, hey, here we go. We've got Tina in Florida. Uh, George, thank you for speaking up for everyone. My question is, did your friends, prior to your becoming a person with a disability, did they treat you the same after? 
Tina, did they treat me the same after? I, I mm. think I may, the only people that stayed by my side um, after my after my injury uh, was actually my family. Um, I don't think I have, I, I have a new set of friends that I've acquired since my injury. Uh, why do you think that is, George? I'm really not sure. I think that most people are afraid of change and afraid of disability. Um, there may be a fear factor involved, um, a fear that it's something that may happen to them or or I may be a constant reminder of what could happen to them. I, I really don't know. I've never even really approached them to question them and ask them why. I just realize that and there are times in life where you just have to reinvent yourself, and that may include um, acquiring new relationships. You know, you know, um, and many of us love Carmen Jones, who's also been on my show, who is also in a chair and is an Obama appointee. And uh, never forget when she said, right, not long after her accident, one of her close friends didn't told her she could not be in the wedding. That's unbelievable. I know. Because they didn't want someone in the picture in a wheelchair. Things like this just astonish me. Of course, I live with epilepsy, so I always tell people, yeah, they're fine with me. They're fine unless they would see me have a seizure. And then right. so many would be so different. Do you know what I mean? I, Sadly. I, hey, yeah, if you're my... listening to the show right now, I just want to tell you, you know, if you have a friend or someone in your family that has an accident and is now in a wheelchair or whatever the situation is, that's still the same person. That is still the same person. And when you do that to someone, that is just so terrible. It really is terrible. But thank goodness... There are many people out there like George and all of us that, yeah, we have a disability, but we're not ashamed we have a disability. We're going on. We're living with it. It's not stopping us. Right, George? You're absolutely right. Can I, I'd like to add to something you mentioned earlier. You said you, have, um, you live with, with epilepsy. Um, my mother had or has epilepsy, and I've never looked at her as, as someone with a disability. So when someone asks, when I normally say that I never knew anyone before my injury that had a disability, I kind of never looked at my mom as a person with a disability. Isn't that something? Well, epilepsy is diff- definitely a disability. Sadly, there are children that have hundreds of seizures a day. It's right. a big spectrum. There are people where it's pretty much controlled, but then there are people that have many, so many seizures that it impacts, um, you know, their ability. Actually, there are people that have died from epilepsy. But right. that's because of you, George, that you didn't see it that way. I just, yeah, I just didn't see it that way. I, there were t- Mom, my mother actually had several seizures in front of me when I was a young child. And I remember the first time it happened, um, the first thing I did was climb on top of my Tonka truck, opened my front door, and ran outside to get help. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and one of my neighbors came in to uh, to give us an assist, and then he called the ambulance, and and uh, and mom was okay. But yeah, I just thought it was it, it was a way of life. Everyone has issues, and that just happened to be mom's issue. How about that? Amazing. 
Well, we're going to talk more about this when we come back to break. Hey, if you just joined us, we're talking to George Gallego, founder and CEO of Wheels of Progress, Turning Lives Around, a champion for all of us. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with George. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we're talking to George Gallego, founder and CEO of Wheels of Progress, Turning Lives Around. So, hey, that's a very important thing to talk about. George, how about if you tell all of us about your new organization? Sure. Well, Wheels of Progress was created to deal with a special kind of homelessness. Um, And what do I mean by that? Well, folks who are young men and women, uh, or even adults, uh, who become disabled um, and aren't able to remain in their homes because their homes are access- aren't accessible, uh, end up being discharged from the hospital or the rehab setting into uh, a nursing home, um, which is an institution. And they basically remain there until their, um, their circumstances change, which, is, which usually doesn't happen. Um, so Wheels of Progress was created um, primarily because a, one of my mentees actually uh, was sentenced to live in a nursing home, um, and I went to visit him on, on the very first day he was there, and it broke my heart to see him in that setting. He had a, um, a, there's nothing absolutely wrong with, with older folks, but when, and it's not about being surrounded by older people, it's about being um, forced to live in an institution. Uh, and being forced to live in a setting where where your rights are literally being stripped away from you. So when I witnessed this, um, the first day I went to visit this young man, it broke my heart. And when I left, 
um, after being with him for about five hours or six hours, um, I vowed to, uh, to make a difference and to create uh, an alternative to uh, institutionalization. Um, and that's when the concept of Wheels of Progress uh, was actually born. Um, I shared that, that experience with uh, my former college professor, Dr. Murray, and she's actually the co-founder of Wheels of Progress. Um, I, um, what I did is I invited her to visit uh, Jonathan with me, and, uh, and once she experienced, experienced being in that institutional setting, um, her entire life's work changed from that point forward. And she had vowed to help me make sure um, that, uh, that we're able to acquire all the tools we need to, to, in order to be able to create an alternative to institutional living. So we envision a world in which young people living with, with disabilities, initially it was, we were targeting only people with spinal cord injuries, but then realized that this is an issue that exists um, with folks that are living with all types of disabilities. Um, so our, our vision is, is to create an environment where people um, with all types of disabilities can actually thrive in life. Uh, and we realize that the first thing that's needed in order to be able to thrive in life is housing. And without housing, you really can't focus on anything else in life. So our mission is to create affordable, accessible, and supportive housing for uh, people living with disabilities who are institutionalized or are at risk of going to an institution. So the difference here is you, you do this specifically for people who are in an institution or about to go into one. Is that correct? That's the goal, yes. It isn't um, just, oh, I want to get an accessible whatever made in my house. Well, we, we do have that component um, that was built in later in the years, uh, but initially it was about helping to free and liberate uh, these folks who desire to live in a community um, so that they can be in a position um, that they can actually move back into their communities. Okay, now how do you do that? Well, our ultimate goal is to create housing. Um, so that's a process that will take several years and lots of funding. So what we've decided to do in order to be able to help people now is we've created a scattered site housing program, um, and we were able to get funding for this program through the Craig H. Nielsen Foundation. And basically the idea is to, um, to connect with developers, building old owners, building managers, and ex explain these issues to them um, and get them to agree to set aside the accessible units that they do have that are available for our guys. And so how do these folks actually pay for rent? Um, there's a program that was created in New York State called the Nursing Home Transition and Diversion Waiver Program. And our first step is usually to refer our clients to this waiver program so that they can go through the intake process and ultimately be accepted to the program. Um, and what's unique about this program is that it's probably the only program available in New York State where someone can still have access to a rent subsidy. Uh, but their target group are people that are in nursing homes who want to transition out or folks who are at risk of going to nursing. Um, when we first started with our first client, this young man that I mentioned earlier, we had, uh, well, we had interviewed many, many service coordinators from different agencies and found that there were a lot of incompetent folks out there. 
Um, and people were rejecting our client left and right because they said, well, he's too needy. He's going to need too much care in the community. We can't handle his case. He's too disabled. Um, so at some point we realized that we needed to cut out this middleman and become waiver providers ourselves. So we applied to become NHTD waiver providers through the Department of Health, and just last year we, our application was approved. It was a very lengthy application process. And, uh, and so now we are waiver providers. So instead of having to interview a service coordinator or an agency that offers services that our clients may need to remain um, to be able to transition into the community, we do all that ourselves now. Okay. So I'm in a nursing home. You get, you find me, I find you, however this goes. Um, is this only in New York you're talking about? This, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, New York State... Um, was a little more progressive than some other states in this regard. Um, and we actually have a lot of folks that are moving from other states into, into New York in order to take advantage of the NHTD waiver program. Um, so once we find each other, I basically interview you to find out what your, what your desires are. And, uh, and then we create a team of people, and, and you would lead the team because uh, this is your life. It's your plan that we're creating. And, um, and then we just come up with an individualized service plan. Uh, and and uh, once we have that together, we submit it to the regional coordinator um, who's contracted by the Department of Health. They would review the, the, the plan. If it's accepted, then you're in. Then the next stage would be to actually apply for the rent subsidies through this program. And at the same time that we're doing all of that, uh, we would also be working with um, existing building owners, building managers, and developers in order to try to find um, that perfect department for you. Okay, so that rent subsidy program, what do they do to cover the entire rent? Do they then use the Medicaid, or how do they do that? It, the, the waiver program was, was it's actually collaboration between the Department of Health and uh, New York State um, Department of Housing and Community Renewal. So the Department of Housing and Community Renewal actually provides uh, or they manage the rent subsidy portion, and DOH manages and provides all the other services that are needed for sustainability. So you don't have to pay on your own the rent? Well, you one of the requirements of the programs is that you have to have a source of income. So SSI or SSDI can qualify you. Um, as can, will be accepted as a source of income, and um, so if you it do will have SSI, or will not. It will, yeah. It will, okay. Yeah. So you're required to have a source of income, and SSI or SSDI would be sufficient to satisfy that requirement. I see. Okay. And you would be required to pay thirty percent of your income. You you apply thirty percent of your income towards the rent, and the remainder will be covered through this rent subsidy. I see. And the, so uh, why I'm asking that, a lot of times, you know, the person they say is in the nursing home because they uh, don't have the ability financially to go anywhere else. But you're saying that sometimes they're in the nursing home because they can't find another place to go. Well, they're in the nursing home because their homes weren't wasn't accessible, their existing home at the time that they went to the nursing home, and because they didn't have the support services or, or the, the family support to help them remain within the community. Yeah, I but, think yes. I think this is so awesome what you are doing. 
I wish that you could find a way that you could do this across the United States. And, and I guess plan. I guess we have to do that. Yeah, we have to plan. figure out how to do that. Yes, exactly, exactly. Because everything only works when it's a collaborative or a collaborative effort. Um, and yeah, so the idea is to do this in New York and make this a pilot program. And once we're able to create a successful model, then we do wish to uh, to take it elsewhere. Um, when I was competing in, in triathlons for uh, for the national team and for Team USA, there was a time when I traveled overseas. And I, I can recall um, when I went to Australia to compete in triathlon world championships, uh, while in a transition zone, a group of kids came to visit me. Um, and I was shocked because it wasn't until uh, 10 minutes into the conversation that I found out that this group of kids were coming to visit me from a nursing home in Australia. So this isn't just an American problem. This is a problem that exists worldwide. Oh, so terrible. Imagine what's going to happen to a lot of these people in Oklahoma. Um, They're going to be yeah. in nursing homes, sadly. Yeah. You're absolutely um, right. So, George, <clears throat> we're not going to take a break right now because we have so many things to ask you, but I'm going to ask you first, uh, what, in your opinion, was your biggest challenge when you started this? Well, I had several big challenges. <laughs> um one was that uh, this, 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 the group, of, the cohort that I'm trying to help, they're not considered homeless. Um, so the existing, the funding that existed to, de- to, to deal with, with the homelessness issues that people have, um, we didn't have any access to that funding. So since they didn't fit the definition of homelessness, we had no funding source whatsoever to deal with this issue. Um, so I thought that it would take an act of Congress to actually redefine homelessness so that we can have access to funding. Um, so that was one one major obstacle. Another was um, the lack of representation within city, state, and federal government. Uh, folks with, with – well, we have various different state offices in New York that deal with specific disabilities, um, but we don't have a state office that deals with people with physical disabilities. Um, we have mental illness um, uh, and, and several others, but we don't have representation at the state level for physical disabilities. Um, so that was another obstacle. Another one, another major one, was the lack of awareness of this issue. Whenever I mentioned this to folks, they just could not believe that this was actually going on. Um, and when someone, when a community doesn't know about an issue, then no one is even going to attempt to come up with um, with solutions in order to eradicate these issues. So those were wow. my, my major challenges and obstacles. Okay, so we have a question from Tim in Kansas, and the question is, George, my question for you is, how did you find the fortitude to go on after your accident? Well, Tim, that's a, uh, that's a heavy question. After my accident, um, I, I didn't want to live on. Um, life was really, for me at the time, I just didn't think that, that uh, it was worth going on or that it was manageable. Um, so why am I still here? <laughs> I think that um, uh, I had young kids at the time. Uh, I had a set of twin girls. Uh, they were three years old, and I had a son that was 
five years old. And uh, they are the reason that I'm still around. Uh, at one point in time, I had a, uh, an, my father's friend um, had said to me, George, if, if for whatever reason you're not here tomorrow, these, your kids are going to blame themselves for that. Um, uh. So, yeah. So because of that one statement, George decided to stick around. And I am so glad I did because I, I didn't know then that there was so much work to do. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, life is wonderful. Uh, so what? I can't walk anymore. Does it really look make what that big of a difference? Look what you've done. You're known nationally. You're a civil rights leader. You're helping people. People that, by the way, are feeling the way you did before, just being stuck in a nursing home. So, you know, what a great person you are, George. So we're all we're all blessed that you stayed here. Thanks. Thanks so much. So, you know what, George, there are many people I meet with disabilities, and they'll say, hey, I can't find a job on my own, and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Now, in my case... I was already an entrepreneur before I found out I had epilepsy. But being an entrepreneur is not just like the easiest thing to do. So I thought you could maybe give some advice for people with disabilities who want to move in that direction. Sure. I, sure I can. I, I never thought that I would become an entrepreneur myself um, before before I did reinvent myself and become an entrepreneur, I was actually managing an a, um, aviation flight school. And when a recession hit in 2008, the school shut down. And once the school shut down, I was jobless. So I decided that I was going to uh, go back to school and re-educate myself and start that reinvention process all over again. Um, and it, it's funny because when I actually started that reinvention process, that's when I started mentoring. And that's when I realized that this major issue existed within our socioeconomic system. Um, so my advice is to first study the field that you think you may be interested in, really educate yourself, find out what it means to educate yourself so that you can master that field, uh, learn all of the necessary components within that arena you plan on, on working in, and then find people that specialize in those, in those arenas and align yourselves with those, with those specialists. That is great advice. Yeah, and once you create a team of people that have the same passion and desire that you have, then there's no stopping you. That's right, no stopping you. So, listen, um, you were a Paul Hearn Award winner, which is, to tell everyone listening to show, such a great honor. And this was through AAPD. What, what did that mean to you, George, and how have you used it since then? Well, I think that that um, becoming a a Paul Hearn awardee has it, it's almost as if you guys gave me a key so that I can open some doors so I can be able to push my mission forward. Um, it, it's made that much of a difference in the way life has been since that day. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I had a meeting with the Commissioner of Housing and Preservation and Development in New York. Uh, and one of the first things he said to me was, congratulations, I heard that, and that blew my mind. I had no idea that he knew. Um, so this truly is like a key that opens a door 
so that you can be able to further whatever mission it is that you're, you're supporting. Well, it is a very prestigious award, uh, which you deserved, so I'm not surprised, uh, and I'm sure it will continue to open doors. But you know what, George, it's so great when it's someone like you that really takes this seriously and is doing such a wonderful thing with your life. That, that, that is just awesome. So let me tell you a little problem I have, George. It's not little. It's big, actually. And that is for 12 years now, 12 or 13, I've been doing volunteer work with high school students with disabilities about the world of work, empowerment, and standing up to bullying because students with disabilities are now bullied more than any other group in America. So I I wanted to ask you, since so many of them listen to this show, what advice do you have for them? For young people who are being brutally bullied, told they're weird, they're freaks, you should die, uh, what advice do you have for them? Oh, those are some very harsh things you just said. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is when I was, when I was a kid, uh, I was attending uh, PS250 in Brooklyn, and I had a classmate who shall remain nameless, um, and this guy used to get beat up on all the time. And I witnessed this for maybe the first two years that I was in school, and at some point I just had enough. And whenever, when I say that they really beat up, beat up on this guy, they really, they would drop, kick him, kick him from the back, um, they would slap him in the face, they would say really horrible things to him. So at some point I had enough of this, um, and I actually started fighting for this guy. Uh, and from the fifth grade on to the eighth grade, I found myself in a position where, where I was continuously, um, at, wow, even to this day, with the guys that are, are being forced to live in nursing homes, I feel like, like I'm obligated to, to stand up for these folks. And so what, what advice would I give? Um, well, try to align yourselves with someone, with someone that has compassion, both compassion and strength, um, that can be your ally. Um, well, it's a really tough situation to be in, and, I, and I'm <laughs> I'm normally not at a loss of words, and I am now because it's a really tough spot to be in. Well, one thing they have you as a role model. You know, it's really great when you see someone successful, and you know, well, hey, they made it. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I do say to everyone listening, hey, you are the most beautiful person. It's they who are the cowards. And remember, if you're ever bullied, tell someone. I don't care if it, you know, if you can't tell your parents, tell an aunt or uncle. If you can't tell them, tell a cousin, tell a teacher, guidance counselor, coach, preacher, rabbi, but tell someone. Tell someone. Don't, yeah, and I, don't try to deal with this on your own. Don't you agree with that? 100%. And I just want to add that this person that I mentioned, he, is, he now holds one of the highest positions in city government here in, in New York City. So he went from being bullied to being the man on top. How about that? How about that? That, that is a great story. That really is a great story. Um, let's take a moment here with a Sam from Rhode Island. Uh, George, this is wonderful what you're doing. My question for you is, 
do you speak frequently across the country? Do I speak frequently across the country? I don't have a speaking series or anything like that. I just speak whenever I need to. So that means if someone would be interested in having you speak, could they reach you through this Wheels of Progress? Absolutely. And what is the website? Wheelsofprogress.org. Very simple. Wheelsofprogress.org. Now, I have a question for you. My question is, if someone is listening to the show today and wants to make a contribution, how do they do that? They can go to wheelsofprogress.org, and we actually have a donate tab at the top of the homepage, and they can just click on that tab and uh, make a direct donation. Yeah, and if you're listening to the show here, again, every donation counts no matter how small it is. That's Wheels of progress dot org wills of progress dot org so george obviously wow triathlon lead i mean you are definitely the the athletic man uh my question for you is do you believe uh george that sports helps people with disabilities do you help believe that's helpful absolutely i I started, uh, I got involved in sports primarily because I became so overweight after my injury. I went from a weight of 170 pounds to about 350 pounds. And then I realized that part of getting that control over my life again meant that I had to get control of myself physically as well. Um, so I dropped, well, I went back down to 170 pounds, and then I started competing in, in, in uh, wheelchair sports. First, uh, I did a 5K, then a 10K, then I went on to a marathon distance, and then someone challenged me to do a triathlon. And uh, then I moved on from uh, Olympic distance to uh, half Ironman distance to full Ironman distance. So can sports be utilized to help people with disabilities? Yes. Sports is a great tool to use to be able to help empower people living with disabilities. It's also a great tool to use to raise awareness, um, and in my case, to raise funds as well. Even now, every race that I do, my goal is actually, uh, it used to be to have a podium finish, to come home with a a, uh, gold, silver, or bronze medal. It's not anymore. My focus has changed because of Wheels of Progress. So for every race that I do now, my goal is to raise awareness and raise enough money to be able to free one person from institutional living. Oh, George, that is so awesome. That That is because, you know, I don't think anyone can envision what that would be like. I mean, that's just terrible. And it's terrible, by the way, for some adults, all ages. As you said, this has nothing to do with uh, I'm in a nursing home as much as I don't want to be in this nursing home and I don't have to be in this nursing home, but I don't have any place to go with accessible uh, design for myself. And that is just terrible. That's tragic. And, and by the way, how do people find out about you? How do they know about you? How do, well, I, since I am continuously mentoring um, I usually go from nursing home. Once I find out that there's a young person living in a nursing home, I'll make it my business to go to that nursing home, find this young person, and start talking about what's available um, in order to be able to help this person um, become liberated. Uh, and, and the word spreads from one to the other. Um, in fact, on June 6th, we have a support group that we're, we're setting up. It will be the second 
the actual second support group where we're pulling in, well, um, at least 60, 70 young folks from that are living in nursing homes into one setting so that we can actually start talking about the issue and start talking about how we can, we can deal with these issues and what steps we need to take in order to be able to change our circumstances. Well, that, you know, another thing, George, I know a lot of people are going to know about you just from being a Paula Hearn Award winner. So all of us can continue to get the story out. My hope, my goal is that we do figure out how to get this in different states, all states, because what a great thing this is. I mean, it's such a great, great thing, and it's amazing how this came to be with that story you told me. See, you know what it is? George took time to do something. You know, so many of us spend our lives saying, oh, is it that terrible? But when you take time to do something about it, that is what really makes the difference. Well, I must say here, George, that you are quite the man, so obviously you had a role model in your life to inspire you. Who would that be? I guess I had several role models, starting with my father, who's no longer with us. He passed away um, uh, two years before my injury, um, and he was a Presbyterian minister, and I think he, he taught me everything I know. Um, and my mom, my other role model, um, as well as uh, folks that I have encountered along the path. I have tons of role models. Um, Dr. Murray, who was, was my professor uh, in undergrad, uh, is another role model. And and even the folks that I work with on a day-to-day basis, the folks that, that I'm mentoring, um, we, we become each other's role models because there's so much to learn from uh, from one another. So and it's, it's, choice, a, it's a multitude of people with you. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. When I was introduced to AAPD, um, yours truly, the VP of AAPD, became my role model almost instantly. And I asked him, I said, look, I need a mentor. Will you be my mentor? I have no problems approaching people that that I feel have um, knowledge that could really that I could really benefit from, or, or that my guys could really benefit from. And, and I just asking them, would you be my role model? Can you teach me how to do what it is that you know how to do best? Wow, what great advice! And if you don't ask, you know, what's the worst thing someone could say? No, that's right. But so what? Then you ask another person. That's my That's view right. of this. Exactly. Um, okay, uh, Cindy in Philadelphia. Uh, George, your organization, Wheels of Progress, how large is the organization right now? Hi, Cindy. We're not that large. We, our team consists of about 12 people total um, that are actually staff members, and... As far as volunteers, well, um, we have a multitude of volunteers. So we're not a very, we're not a large organization by far. We're still growing. We're evolving as we speak. Well, that is, that's how it started with vendor consulting services. You know, it started with six people. Now we're in 20 states and two provinces of Canada. But well, that's how it starts. You know, that's how it always starts. And uh, my only wish is that you would continue to grow. Do you ever consider foundations? Can do foundations ever make a contribution? You mentioned one. 
Yes, the Craig H. Nielsen Foundation gave us a nice grant, and they're considering giving us a three-year grant moving forward, um, possibly. Um, and well, the foundation's help. It's really tough since we're so new, and we don't have. We're still building our track record, and most most um, foundations require that you have a track record. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still in the process of building our track record. Um, although I know that, that once we're up and running um, the way that they require us to be, uh, then I'm sure that the money will flow in terms of um, grants from foundations. Oh, that's awesome. Well, listen, we're going to go to break before we close the show, but if you just joined us today, remember you can hear this show either download from iTunes or go to voiceamerica.com or benderconsult.com. All the shows are archived on the Bender website for the past 12 years. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with George. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. We all face some economic uncertainty in our life. What makes the difference is how we take command of that and survive. Tune in to Strategies for Financial Survival with host Michael Figueroa. Michael has been up and down the road to success several times, and along with his guests, will share the skills of survival. By assessing your strengths and skills and applying them to your future, you can make it through tough times, regardless of your field. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. You know, we've had a great, great person on the show today, George Gallego. He is a Paul Hearn Award winner from the American Association of People with Disabilities, which is a very, very prestigious award that's a national award and he is the founder and ceo of wheels of progress and he is turning lives around he is getting people out of nursing homes liberating them and helping to keep them out of the nursing home by providing and finding accessible living it is such a great thing and by the way you can make a donation by going to wheelsofprogress.org, 
Um, he is in the state of New York. Hopefully this will be able to go across the country. But right now, if you are in the state of New York or moving there, you know anyone with a disability in a nursing home trying to get out, you need to contact George. He has a whole team he's put together. Um, and you know what is sad, George, is how you found out about people before really not being competent in some of these areas. It wasn't only sad, but it was mind-blowing, um, knowing that or thinking that you had a set of resources that you can use in order to help the people that you're trying to help, and then realizing that that set of resources um, is extremely weak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. that's okay, because once you learn that your resources aren't what you thought they were, then you're still in a position to be able to uh, to strengthen um, or to create a, a stronger resource. So learn from from everything that you experience in life. Um, like just as we did with Wheels of Progress, we realized that that the existing coordinators were very weak, uh, afraid, didn't know how to deal with disabilities. Um, in fact, I had one that uh, when we interviewed her, um, the young man that, I, that we were interviewing a service coordinator for is a quadriplegic and he can't move anything from his neck down. Uh, but this, this person that we interviewed um, actually reached over to him and handed, was trying to hand him a pen so that he can sign a piece of paper. Um, so obviously this person didn't even know disabilities because if she would have, <laughs> if she would have just opened her eyes, she would have seen that you know, this, this young man can't even move his hands or grab that pen wow. and sign a piece of paper. Oh, that's terrible. That so is you, terrible. It is, it is. So once you encounter these weaknesses in a system, then, then that, that actually puts you in a better position because now you know it's a weakness, and then you can, all you have to do is find a way to strengthen that weakness. You know, I cannot imagine the hope you give someone when they first meet you and you tell them about this. I mean, I, I can't even imagine if you would be in a nursing home, don't want to be there, but don't have the ability to find accessible living, and they meet you. I, I can't even imagine what that would do. Uh, I, I know what it does for me. Whenever I see that, that the individual realizes that they have hope and that there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, that actually fuels, fuels gives me, that's like fuel for me. Um, and it puts me in a position where, where, where I actually fight harder and push harder to ensure that, that, uh, that the services that are needed are obtained so that we can gain um, freedom for an individual. Right. Well, George, look what you've already accomplished. I mean, you won the a, you won the Paul Horn Award winner. Now you have, and you have this Wheels of Progress, and you're meeting with uh, the government in the state, telling people about this, helping people. But everyone that's been on this show for the past uh, 13 years, I asked this next question, which is, and I'm sure I asked you this before, so far at this point in your life, you've accomplished so much, but what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? Once upon a time, I would have said uh, the fact that I earned a gold medal here, silver medal there, bronze medal there, um, but that that's changed. I think my greatest accomplishment is actually finding my purpose in life and finding my life's work. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
Well, George, if you had to leave a message with our listeners today, what would that message be? A message. Would you mind if I read something? No. Go right ahead. I, I wrote this um, a couple of years ago. It's a short poem, uh, and it, the title is A Force to be Reckoned With. I lie in darkness and think I am alone. I anticipate total silence, but what presents is contrary. Listen. Listen to the sounds. As my mind races, I try to understand. Is this friend or foe? Odorless, invisible, it surrounds me. Strong enough to annihilate cities, it approaches me. Gusting through life, yet making music with chimes, it confuses me. Don't try to understand. Acknowledge and acquiesce. It's a force to be reckoned with. Embrace it and move on. Wow. That is one powerful poem. George, you have to send that to me. That way we could post that with your name on it, of course. But that is really... When did you write that? I wrote this um, during the midst of Hurricane Irene. Wow. And I was sitting in a house, um, very quiet, and was just listening to all the madness around me and thinking about life in general and, and, and realized that the thoughts that were running through my mind really applied to everything in life, including disabilities. I mean, we're a force to be reckoned with. Yes, we are. We are a force to be reckoned with. People need to realize that, but it starts with us. We need to realize that because we are a force to be reckoned with. Hey, George, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, always a pleasure. George Gallego, founder and CEO of Wheels of Progress, um, he can be reached at wheelsofprogress.org. Remember, make a contribution, make a difference. That could be you, that person he's talking about in the nursing home. We are all in this together, folks. We're all in this together. But what a great thing he is doing. You know, we end every show with a quote from someone that's either a civil rights leader, but that has just impacted lives of people in general. So, and I believe this fits George and everything he's doing. The quote is, even if tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree, said Martin Luther King, Jr. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.